This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. This year, 2020, is one where I'm sure all of us would like to escape. So just for a few minutes, I want you to put away your worries and cares and listen to a program that was designed specifically to do just that. Let me give you something else to think of for a moment or two. The program I've referred to, of course, is Escape. Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Following the opening theme, a second announcer, usually Roy Rowan, would add, Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Well, Escape was radio's leading anthology series of high adventure radio drama, airing on CBS from July 7th of 1947 to September 25th, 1954. Pretty good run. And since the program did not have a regular sponsor like Suspense, it was subjected to frequent schedule shifts and lower production budgets, although Richfield Oil did sign on as a sponsor for five months in 1950. Despite these problems, Escape enthralled many listeners during its seven-year run. The series' well-remembered opening combined Mosgorsky's Night on Bald Mountain with this introduction as intoned by William Conrad and uh, later Paul Fries. And our episode tonight's entitled Seven Hours to Freedom. and tells the story of a fishing boat off the California coast that's hijacked by escaped criminals. Jeff and Lou are in the boat, the Merry Widow, trolling for mackerel not far from the shoreline. Suddenly, they hear the sounds of a car wreck on a nearby highway. Shortly thereafter, a rowboat comes toward them carrying a group of men who seem to be in some trouble. And when they get the men safely on their boat, Jeff and Lou realize they've made a big mistake. The men have just escaped from prison, and now they want to be taken to Mexico, the border seven hours away. Hmm. Will Jeff and Lou make it there alive? Let's listen in. You, finding life rather dull, dreaming again of exotic places, wishing you were somewhere else, we offer you escape. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Escape with us now to a small fishing boat off the California coast and a night of terror and death at the hands of a brilliant madman as Bud A. Nelson tells it in his exciting story, Seven Hours to Freedom.
The Pacific Ocean off the coast of Southern California is usually thought of as calm and peaceful, where there's very little danger. But don't take the Pacific for granted, or you'll be writing your name in foam and throwing it into the wind. There can be trouble out there, all kinds of trouble. The winter months are the lean ones along the coast. Lou and I scrape the bottom of the barrel to make fuel and stores for my boat, the Merry Widow. Rigging for mackerel is fishing the hard way. You've seen the mackerel fleet sneak up on the coast. Those ghostly cities of lights offshore. Guys like Lou and myself trying to make a payload with lights and stinking chum. Mashed, marinated muck you toss overboard with your bare hands to attract the fish. We were anchored alone west of Point Doom Whistle Boy, about a mile out. It was dark, except for the spot we flashed on the water and the flashing of headlights on Highway 101, where it dips down to the shore to get a run for Zuma Grade. There were mackerel around, and they were ready. Come on, baby. Up you come. And a boy, Lou. Keep him coming. Right. I'll move the chum out into the light. Hiya, hiya. Come on, kids. Free chow. Good, juicy, chovey face. Come and get it. Swarming into the spot. They worked the edges, Lou. Yeah. They're about ready for the net. Oh, look at them. Three or four pounders. Show me the spot, boy. Lay it right in front of me. They're ready for the net. Uh, currents offshore. Uh, drag toward me. All right. He's in tone. Oh, boy. They're hot and heavy. That net's alive. Now, fellow up. Train up. Green dynamite. Come on, kiddies. Come to pop. Oh! Eh, beauties. Good boy, Lou. He can come and swamp us. That's the way it works. If you hit it, you forget the smell, the scum, the numbness in your hands, the icy water in your boots. You forget you're heaving 30 to 50 pounds on the end of an eight-foot pole. And you see dollars pile up in the bin boards on your deck. You forget everything around you until... They're gone. And you notice that there is a world around you. Uh, here they go. School's out. Uh, two tons at least. Yeah. Huh. Looks like another wreck on Zuma Grade. Yeah. Look at the headlights. People just can't pass up an accident. Must be a pretty bad one. I'll take a boat any day. Hey, let's get out of here. We can make it back in time for chow. Yeah. Six fried eggs seasoned with Tabasco sauce, bowl of chili, and a pot of black coffee. It sounds good to me. Boy, that stuff sure gets cold. Yeah. Hey, get the anchor. Let's get out of here. Fire up. I'm for it. Okay. Run up on it. Get in. Hold it. What's the matter? Bank is bowed. Want to back down on it? Feels like rock. Uh, take a turn on the cleat. Let the swell break it loose. Hey, she's really caught fast. Uh, wait a minute, Lou. Give me some slack. I'll back off. 
Come here. What's up? Look. Company. Yeah. What the devil are those guys doing out here in a little rowboat at this hour? They're either drunk or crazy. They're sport fishermen. But I don't see any tackle. Ahoy there! Wait! Please wait! Oh, they're in trouble. Look. Guy in the stern. Hunched over. Hey, get the boat hook, Lou. I'll rig a fender. That tide's doing more good than the oars are. These boys aren't seamen. Nah, nah. Watch the roll when he pulls you alongside. Hey, you in the bow, catch the rack. Hold yourself off. Hold it up, Jay. We have an injured man here. Lend a hand. Yeah, sure. Cal, get aboard. Ellis, help Stacy. Help him. Ed, wait. Give me your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Now, my injured friend. Uh, you and a skiff. Yeah. Hand him to me. Yeah. Uh, right here. Uh, lift him as high as you can. Now, now, slip your hand out. Okay. Yeah, you got him. Now, Lou, open the hatch to the cabin. Right. Uh, move that gear off the bunk. Unfortunate thing. Very unfortunate. Uh, hand me the first aid kit. Now on the bulkhead behind you. Completely unnecessary. Efficient shooting, wouldn't you say? Perilously near the heart. Yeah. Fatally near. Here, put the kit back. It's too late. How'd this happen? Loaded gun. <laughs> yes. Loaded gun in expert hands. This may be pretty funny to you, mister, but I don't think it'll go over very big with the police. The police? No, I suppose not. Poor Stacy. His fourth and final loss. Look, mister, what's the story? Oh, that's right. <laughs> you came in at the end. Uh, but first... What? What's a gun for? Your protection and mine. Forgive me, young man, for pointing this at you. I use it only to establish command. Outside. Go on. Work. I'm getting pretty sick of your fancy yapping and no action. Yeah, master mind. You got us into this. Now come up with a way out. My friends despise me, Captain. Look at them. Young Ellis. Shut up, Burke. I warned you. He's a coward, a thief, and a murderer who fancies himself equal to any known knife artist. You know I'll kill you, don't you, Burke? If it's the last thing I do, I'll cut that fat off of you. It will be the last thing you do, Ellis. And Dowd there. He killed two men, wasn't it, Dowd? Two defenseless men. Feed on, you greasy slob. You're digging your grave with your tongue. And Stacy, poor dead Stacy. Keep talking, Burke. Keep flapping your big mouth while the law sets up another trap. Why don't we get rid of these two punks and get moving? Yeah, give me that gun, Burke. You ain't got the guts to do nothing. You're all talk. Give me that gun. Stay right where you are, Ellis. You two, Dowd. I supplied the intelligence that saw us this far... And I really don't need you anymore. Sit down. 
Both of you sit down right by that tank. Yeah, yellow Bert. Paint dirty yellow. Make me sit down. Go on, Bert. Make me sit down. I don't want to have to fire this gun. Sound carries over water. Talk big, Burke, while you've got the gun. The only gun, Dowd. That highway is swarming with police cars now. They're saying dead or alive. The choice is up to you. Make one move toward me or these fishermen, and I make the choice. You make the choice. You chose to lead us into a trap. Because you didn't have the guts to shoot a measly highway cop. You got Stacy shot. You wrecked the car. Then you nearly drowned us in that leaky rowboat. You can thank me in that leaky rowboat that you're alive right now. I feel very kindly toward that rowboat. Pull it aboard. Go on, pull it aboard. You two may need it. One false move and you'll find yourselves adrift. Captain, set the anchor up. Take in what slack we can get, Lou. Line parts and parts. You will set your course by this pistol, Captain. Our destination is Mexico. Look, Bert, I... Uh... A word of warning, Captain. I seem to stand alone. These fools I took through prison walls have turned against me. But I still have a pistol. How far is the international border? Seven, eight hours. I prefer seven. Seven hours to freedom. My freedom. And seven hours for us to consider your fate. You can start out to count the laughs in the Red Skelton show, but you'll wind up laughing so hard yourself, you lose the count. No question about it, Red Skelton is a very funny man with a very funny show. And this fall, you hear Red Skelton every Sunday evening on CBS. Rated to top comedian, Skelton has a special form of humor, a unique brand of madcap hilarity that leaves him gasping. You'll have a grand time. It's entertainment at its best. Be sure to listen to The Red Skelton Show every Sunday evening over most of these same CBS stations. And now, we return you to Escape. Dawn broke with the Los Angeles Harbor Light well on our stern. Mary Widow's bow pointed at Mexican waters and the pistol in Burke's fat hand setting the course. The morning was foggy. Other things were clear. Someone along Zuma Beach would find their rowboat missing. We had a dead man in the cabin, and the lives of Lou and I hung on the whim of a fat maniac. Our only hope was a radio. I switched the frequency to Coast Guard trip the mic to transmit, and hope that someone would be listening. Uh, It's more pleasant up here on the bridge, Captain. The cabin is somewhat stuffy. What's your master plan for the body? Loathsome things, dead man. 
Much as I'd like to dispose of it, we can't risk cluttering our trail. Let us hope there will be no more. There needn't be, you know, if you cooperate. Yeah. Yeah, the Merry Widow's at your disposal, Mr. Burt. As long as you hold that gun on the crew, there's no choice but to take you to Mexico. We don't have too far to go. Uh, just about due west of Long Beach, making 18 knots. You are unduly nervous, Captain. Is it the pistol? <laughs> Look at our friends huddled together down there in the stern. <laughs> uh, planning my assassination, and no doubt yours. You understand the situation, don't you? No. Then I'll tell you. This gun and I are your buffers. Your guardians against the plotters back there. In exchange for this protection, you give me transportation. In a few hours, I will be a free man and I shall go my way alone. Maybe. Radio. The radio. I underestimated you, Captain. Very clever. Well, I tried. I assume I've been broadcasting for some time. You have. Direct to the United States Coast Guard. I bow to you. How stupid of me. And you. Up to this point, you've shown some intelligence. These heroics give me no choice. All right, go ahead and shoot. You'll pile into rocks before you hit San Diego. You'll never see Mexico. Lose no pilot, none of you are. You're right. You are still useful. Resume your course. Look, Burke, you're supposed to be the brains of the outfit. If you're even half smart, you'll get in that skiff and head for shore. You better not be on this boat when the Coast Guard catches up with us. If you are a religious man, Captain, I would suggest that you pray they don't catch up with us. Look, mister, my advice to you is to launch that skiff and hit for the beach. You're a fool, Captain. Until your little stratagem shows tangible results, I wait. And you live. Resume your course. Newport Harbor bore off our bow, swung a beam, and slid past the stern. With it went my hopes of help from the Coast Guard out of Newport. No more stations now until San Diego. At the foot of San Clemente's red tile roofs, I saw a Santa Fe streamliner rushing north towards Los Angeles. I wished I was on it and headed in the same direction. How far are we from the border, Captain? Uh, five, six hours. Good. If the Coast Guard heard your radio, they don't seem to be rushing to your rescue. Ha! Take another look, Burke. Dead ahead and bearing down. Hold your course. Don't try to attract them or you die right where you stand. You, low. Yeah? Stay where you are. Hold your course, Captain. Mister, that's a Coast Guard picket boat. They got guns. Ellis, down. Stand up and wave. Make it look friendly. Don't overdo it. You, Captain, wave too. Wave, wave. <laughs> Look at the fools. The friendly fools waving back. We're just friendly fishermen. They didn't even cut their speed. Two herringbone wakes met, merged playfully, overlapped and faded. With them went my hopes of help from outside. Our only chance now is to get Burke's gun. The fish knives. But they were back on the cleaning chute, neatly racked. I turned to look. Gone. Three knives gone. My hand rested on the clutch lever, 
cast bronze, complete with grip and detachable. I had to get that gun. I tripped the key that locked the lever and... Come here! I want to talk to you. Got a deal. I've been expecting this. They're ready to cooperate. You, Lou, down the ladder. Just in case our good captain entertains any rash notions, you will be our hostage. Go ahead. Happy to oblige. Step right back to the little group, Lou. I watched helplessly while Lou led the way aft where two criminals sat, backs to the bait tank. They rose as Burke lurched toward them against every roll and pitch of the boat. Ellis suddenly stepped between Lou and Burke. The pistol roared harmlessly. Burke slumped balloon-like as Dow tore the pistol from his hand. Ellis, knife in hand, kept slashing. Enough, Ellis! Lay off! Lay off, I said! Give me that knife! Give me that knife! Said I cut him the fat slob. He didn't believe me, eh? Look at him! Blubber! Blood and blubber! Come on, Lou! Up that ladder there to your buddy! Go on! Yes, sir. Sit down there and stay put. You, Buster, keep this thing moving. Which way? Like Burke said, Mexico. As long as we come this far, we go all the way. Driving closer to shore. How close? I'll tell you how close. Hey, now, wait a minute. I'll pick out a spot to beach the skiff. Then we'll move back outside the three-mile limit until dark so that Mexican patrols can't find us. Ain't that nice. In the dark, I move in as close to shore as I can, and you go ashore in the skiff, and I head back up the coast. Just like that, huh? Well, Buster, you better pick a good spot to make a landing because you're going in with us. Going in with you? What about this boat? Leave it. The Mexican authorities... You're gonna drive this boat right up on the beach. That's what. Right up on the beach. Wreck it? Look, Dowd, we draw close to ten feet of water. We'll ground a city block offshore. So what? I can swim. I got nothing to worry about. You ain't gonna need this tub no more. Look, look, Dowd. If we beach this boat, we mark the spot where you go ashore. But put in by skiff and you won't attract any attention. My radio shot. It's a... It's two hours run back to San Diego... I can't holler anything that'll hurt you. It ain't two hours to Mexican cops. I can't go to Mexican cops. I haven't got a clearance. I'm not going to put into a Mexican port and have my boat impounded, am I? I told you how it's going to be. As soon as the Mexican authorities find this boat with bodies on board, they'll know you boys are over the border and how you got there. Hmm? Well, maybe you got something. Now, I'll talk it over with Ellis. Uh, Don't try no... a fake engine trouble. The master switch. One of us has to get down to the engines. The short hose on the manifold cooling system. Port engine side. Salt water intake. Yeah? It's our only chance. Disconnect it. Foul the bilge pump screen. Flood the bilges? Yeah. We risk fire, but it's our only chance to frighten them guys into the skip. Cut it. He's coming back. That's the way it's gonna be. How? Like I said first. Pile it on a beach. Now, let's go. Oh, okay. Hey, what's the matter? Are you okay up there, Dow? No, no. She just quit. You know, we've been beating these engines. She's hot. Get it going. 
Oh, I have to get at the engines down below. Oh, no, you don't. Step on the starter. Come on, try it. It's hot, I tell you. 180 degrees. Right, look for yourself. It's 40 degrees too hot. Well, what does that mean? It means I got to... No, go. you don't. Who? You know what to do? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, check the oil filter first and the screen ahead of the pump. Uh, wait a minute, you. Okay. Try it again first. Go on. No use. The trouble's down the engine room. Go on, Lou. Hey, Alice. Yep. Get out in the hole with this guy. Keep an eye on him. Okay, sure. salt water that should be flowing through the water jackets of two big exhaust pipes pouring into the bilges and two red hot manifolds absorbing all the heat of the two big engines. I took a sight on the hull. Chine line two feet above water. Bilge pumps sucking nothing but air. Ten minutes riding six inches lower. Half hour one foot down. Three quarters of an hour. Eighteen inches lower. Water would be climbing up to drown out the batteries. Exhaust pipes, white hot. I yanked the release on the CO2 system. White clouds sizzled up from below. Fire! Fire, we're sinking! Bilges of water! Filling fast with going down! What do we do, Captain? Get the skiff over the side before she explodes. Fire extinguisher, Lou! Cover me, I'm going below. Get the skiff over! Don't stand there, Doc! Down there, Jeff. Rats left us. I'll be right up. Whew. We nearly overdid it. Wood was smoldering. It's on me. Battery's wet. Inch to go. Oof. Boy, that manifold was hot. Nearly didn't make it. Look at our friends beat water. Yeah, this proves the story about rats and sinking ships. Now, come on, Lou. Up on the bridge. Watch their faces now. Hey, uh, did you drop the bilge pump back in the well? No, we need that water in the bilges. Boy, we throw awake like a little Queen Mary. Turning up 2,800. Yeah, still a little hot. I'm on 3,000. Behind us. We're throwing a weight like a destroyer. Come on, baby. A big, big bird. 3,000. Turn. Come on, around. That's a nice, tight circle. Rock. 
What are you going to do? Trash him? Ah, going to lasso him with our weight. Hell, we let Chop hit their skiff from four sides. You think they're in a southeaster? Look at Dowd. Trying to get a feed on us. He's head. There they go. Capsize. That's just what I wanted. Yeah, but uh, hang on to the keel of the boat. All right, let him take wood for about half an hour. Brother, that water's cold. <laughs> you should know. Yeah, let's see if Dowd's still got a gun. I can't tell. Looks like he... He has. But he won't have for very long. His hands will get so numb, you think they're sawed off. Uh, set the bills, pump, Lou. We'll light the ship while we wait. Oh, and on your way back, you break out that bottle of Johnny Walker. Huh? Might as well enjoy ourselves now that we got them guys where we want them. I wonder about prices, Lou. Mackerel? Forty-two bucks. No, no, I didn't mean that. I meant bounty. Reward. The state of California owes us quite a little dough. Mileage. Two ton of spoiled mackerel. One radio transmitter. And four escaped convicts. Two of them on the ice. Well, get the boat hook, Lou. Two live ones are ready for the gaff. Escape is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Today we have brought you Seven Hours to Freedom by Bud A. Nelson, with Jack Moyle starred as Jeff. Featured in the cast were Stan Waxman, Jack Crucian, Barney Phillips, and Lou Krugman. The special music for Escape was arranged and played by Ivan Dittmars. <laughs> Seven Hours to Freedom was written by Bud A. Nelson and produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Jack Moyles starred as Jeff. Also appearing, Stan Waxman, Jack Kushnan, uh, Barney Phillips, and Lou Krugman. This episode aired in November of 1950. Want you to stay tuned for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy next up on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Edgar Bergen to set that loudmouth dummy on his lap and welcome special guest Judy Garland in a program that was first heard in 1947. The makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee, blenders and roasters of fine coffee since 1864, present Edgar Bergen, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, Ray Noble and his orchestra, our guest, the star of Metro-Golden-Mayer's Me and My Gal, Judy Garland, and... Charlie McCarthy. Hello, Judy, me darling, darling. Hello, Charlie. What's cooking? Uh, coffee. <laughs> you want a mug? <laughs> <laughs> Say, Charlie, do you know why a moth eats a hole in a rug? Uh, no. Uh, why does a moth eat a hole in a rug? To see the floor show. Oh! <laughs> Say, Judy, how are you doing with this uh, scrap rubber drive? Uh, you know, there's a there's a great surplus of uh, a rubber shortage, you yes, know. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I've been turning in lots of it. Good. You know the saying, collect the ruber and beat shickle gruber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anything that snaps means slaps 
for the jack. <laughs> Say, Mr. Noble, uh, uh, what have you uh, given, huh? Well, I'm thinking of contributing a, a tired masseur down at my Turkish bath. A uh, tired masseur at your Turkish bath? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh... Worn-out rubber. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Jolly good, I <laughs> Yes, well, <clears throat> I'll tell you what you can do, Mr. Noble. I'll go out and dig up some more of this scrap, and you and have that rubber band of yours... Play extra snappy while Judy sings. I never knew I could love anybody, honey, like I'm loving you. (laughs) I've been running in circles while playing the game of pretending. I never realized I wasn't wise. What love could do Now I'm facing a future That hasn't that one happy ending And I'm a fool, I guess To confess it all to you Love anybody, honey, like I'm loving you. I didn't realize what a pair of eyes and a baby smile could do. I can't sleep, I can't eat, I never knew a single soul could be so sweet. Oh, I never knew I could love anybody, honey, like I'm loving you. I can't sleep and I can't eat. I never knew a single soul could be so sweet. Oh, I never knew I could love anybody, honey, like Loving you Honey, like I'm loving you Lovely beauty, just lovely <laughs> Charlie, how did you do? Did you get any rubber? Yeah, I dug up an old potholder of Bergen's. A potholder? Yeah. You know, his reducing girdle. You and me get in Bergen Stanley steamer and haul that stuff over to the gas station. What do you say? Okay, huh? Charlie, that'll be fun. Sure it will. Just a minute, young man. Oh, 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 oh. <clears throat> Hello, Becky. <laughs> You're not taking my Stanley steamer anywhere. No. No. I'm going to use it myself tonight. Well, oh. see you later, Charlie. Yeah, well, well, it's nice of you to stick with me. <laughs> well, young man... If, uh, if you're going to use it, Bergen, you better give us time to take out the dishes and the clams first. Dishes and clams? Yes, sir. What are you talking about? Well, uh, you see, Skinny Dugan and me have been you know, taking that old car of yours down to the beach at Santa Monica. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, what for? Well, it's very good for... Now, don't get mad. No, no. But you will. No, what is it? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Yes. Yeah. 
It's very good for steaming clams. Steaming clams? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, your Stanley steamer is now McCarthy and Dugan's planetaria. <laughs> it's what? It's an auto grotto. Oh. <laughs> we specialize in the clam or am. I see. And where do you get these clams? We dig them. You dig them? Yes. Dig them? Yes. Dig, dig, dig. Well, all right, yeah. I see. Well, that's not very easy work, is it? No, sir, it ain't. They're very sly, those little tricky things, yes. Those little sand squatters. <laughs> where do you find... How do you find where they're buried, Charlie? Well, you see, Skinny and me, we sort of sneak up on them. I see. And when we, when we see one, we make a noise like a lady clam. Lady clam? Yeah. And when the clams come up to see what's cooking, they are. I see. <laughs> Well, who does the cooking, you or Skinny? Uh, Pierre. Oh, Pierre. Yes, he's, uh, he's a cook. A French cook, you know. I see. You must taste his barbecue soup, Pierre. Oh, and his grunions with onion. Oh, <laughs> non gratis. Oh, I see. Oh, nothing. Yes, well, I'd like to meet him. He's waiting outside. He's in the cooker now. I see. I'll get him. Oh, Pierre... He's very temperamental. Yes, I know. Oh, Pierre Le Snurd. I'll be here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mortimer, so you're Pierre Le Snurd, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A Frenchman. Oh, sure, sure. Bon door, monsieur, bon door. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I see. Regular Frenchman. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What? I mean, uh, oui, 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 oui. <laughs> yes. Uh, Parlez-vous français? Uh, oui, oui, oui. I say Parlez-vous français? No. There you go. <laughs> You're always clowning you and your Swedish accent. <laughs> No, I say, uh, what I mean, I understand you're a very good cook. Yeah, yeah, very good, yeah, very good. Yeah, I'm quite notorious. Is that so? <laughs> I guess you've heard of, uh, heard of Oscar of the Waldorf. Yes, I've heard of Oscar of the Waldorf. Well, I'm Mort of the Fishwarp. I... <laughs> well, that's good, yeah. Now, tell me, I'm rather interested, Mort. Tell me about uh, the various things down there. How was your cuisine? Uh, there was about five of us there, uh... Uh, hmm? I see. Your cuisine. Oh, well, the only relative I got is Grandpa. Yes, I thought. <laughs> well, I was speaking of your food. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the nicest dish you serve? Mm-hmm. The nicest dish you serve? Oh, the nicest dish. Uh, well, there's several. Yeah. The other day, a tall blonde and a baby. <laughs> no, no, no. She was mighty pretty. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, what's on your menu? Hmm? Your menu? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. No, I mean, uh, you, you must have a menu. I must, huh? Yes, uh, a bill affair. Well, a bill affair. What do you have on your bill affair? We don't use them. Oh, you don't use them? <laughs> I just let the customers look at my apron. It tells the story. I don't know. <laughs> We present two pictures before and after. The first is a home at breakfast time. The persons, Mr. and Mrs. Where's my hat? Aren't you going to finish your coffee? Nope, no time. So long. See you tonight. Well, that isn't very much like the first few months we were married. 
I wonder what's the matter. That was before. Now, same scene, same people a few days after. Mmm, mmm, that coffee smells good. Uh, just wait until you taste it. Can't wait. Sorry, gonna taste it right now. Oh, don't burn yourself. I won't. <sighs> Boy, that's good. Stuff like downtown. <laughs> like it? Like it. Why, well, there's flavor enough in that cup to make four of the old kind. It must be Chase and Sanborn. It is. A man's coffee. Lady, you come here to me. What? <laughs> Why? What have I done? Let's hear you say prunes. Poop. <laughs> Once more. Poop. Did you get your Chase and Sanborn kiss this morning? If you didn't, get one tomorrow. Ask your grocer for the Chase and Sanborn coffee he's selling now. <laughs> Which one is the house? 
The one with the horse looking out through the window. How can't he fit to live in with a horse in it? I have to take good care of that horse. What do you mean? He's a racehorse. What's that got to do with it? Me and Charlie McCarty bought it. He owns half and I own half. Which half does Charlie own? The half that gets the oats. What do you mean? I don't want to talk about my half. Why not? It's a long tail. All right, forget it. <laughs> Charlie? <laughs> I don't get it either. No, look, if Charlie's going to beat the horse, then he'll have to buy the horse's fodder. Why should he buy the horse's fodder? We've got one horse already. No, 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 you don't understand. Charlie puts the horse's fodder in a bag and hangs it on your horse's nose. Now, ain't our horse gonna look funny with a spotter hanging on the stove? No, 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 your horse eats its spotter. What have we got, a cannibal? No, certainly not. Well, what does the horse's spotter eat? He eats his spotter. What do you know? Yeah. And what does the horse's mother eat? She eats her spotter. It's getting worse all the time. You just keep picking on the old man. What do you mean? Sometimes he makes a better mother than a she. Abbott, suppose a mama horse has little horses. Don't that make her a mother? Well, now that depends on her feet. <laughs> My horse's feet are okay. Outside of, uh, he limps a little with his front legs. Oh, I see. He's having trouble with his forelegs. No, I just said he, he only limps on his two front legs. Well, Costello, your horse's forelegs are in front. What are those things in back? <laughs> And your horse has four legs in front and hind legs in back. Four and... legs in front and hind legs in yeah. back. What I got? A centipede? <laughs> now, Abbott, don't try to tell me about my horse. Not... I know more about it than you do. I got him right there in the house. Now, wait a minute. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Your wife worked hard to help you buy this little farm. Now that she has her home of her own, you deliberately inconvenience her by letting her sleep in the house with a horse. Well, the horse is clean. Never mind that. Well, I'm sorry. Well, you should be. You've got a nice big stable in the backyard, haven't you? Yes, sir. You have a nice clean stall with plenty of fresh straw on the floor? Yes, sir. Well, what's wrong with you? I don't know. Well, take well, a tumble to yourself. I'm sorry I'm doing all those things. Well, what's wrong? What is... I didn't realize what I was doing. Well, certainly. I just loved the horse, that was all. Well, you shouldn't do it. After all, it was a nice clean stall with plenty of fresh straw on the floor. You've got plenty of it out there. And, and it's a nice big clean stable. Certainly it is. I'll fix the whole thing up. What are you going to do? I'll let my wife sleep in the stable. Oh. If there's music in your heart and you have an urge to get up and dance, it may be because today is the first day of summer. Or then again, it may be Jerome Kearns. Smoke it in your eyes, a la Ray Noble.
Judy, there, there's something I want to talk to you about. What is it, Charlie? Well, aren't you going to congratulate me? Why? Well, is it your birthday? No, silly. It's Father's Day. Well, I know it is, but what's that got to do with you? Well, <laughs> ain't I your sweet daddy? <laughs> Charlie, you're impossible. Oh, no. But say, did you buy Mr. Bergen a, a Father's Day present? Uh, well, I would. Uh, you see, there was. Uh, uh, I, uh, uh, no. <laughs> oh, Charlie, you're very, very thoughtless. Doleless is the word. Doleless, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Charlie. Who was it who always cheered you up when things looked darker? Well, that was Bergen did this. And and who was it who always nursed you when you were sick? Well, that was Bergen. And who always loaned you money when you were broke? Well, I don't know. I never met the man yet. Don't change the subject. Well, I still think you should have gotten him something. Oh, so there you are, children. Uh, don't make anything about your son, you know. No, he doesn't. All right, all right. Climb upon my knees, sonny boy. <laughs> Though you're only 12, sonny boy. You do it right in front of Judy, don't you? <laughs> Uh-oh. Hello, son. I get it, I get it. Yes. Hello, Bergen. Wonderful day, isn't it, Judy? Wonderful. Yes, yes it certainly is, Mr. Bergen. Mm. If it doesn't rain, it is. <laughs> Marvelous thing, fatherhood. Nothing like it. There's nothing more tender than the relationship between father and son. You're right, Mr. Bergen. Why, do you realize that 50% of the parents are fathers? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My goodness, that's practically half, isn't it? My <laughs> Well, son? Yes? I don't suppose you have anything special to say to me or, uh, no. or uh, anything? No, 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 You, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Not a thing, no. I see. Hasn't come, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, the day isn't over yet. I guess I'll just toddle along and leave you two children alone. <laughs> <laughs> he really expected something, didn't he? Of course he did, Charlie. Oh, the way he hinted it was rude, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> if I were you, I'd go right out and buy him something. Well, don't you think he'd be just as happy if I gave him one of those big chasing Sanborn kisses? <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, if I were you, I'd get him something to show what he's worth to you. What he's worth to me? Yes. The five and ten is closed today. Well, anyway, I don't know what to buy him. I don't. Well, I I, I think I'd get him something practical. Yeah? Something he can use. Something he can use. Mm -hmm. How about a bowl? A bowl? Yes, something to soak his bread in. (laughs) How about a billfold? Oh, he doesn't fold them. He buries them. (laughs) Say, do you think he'd like, uh, you know, clothing, huh? Well, I've never seen him go anywhere without it. No, that's right. (laughs) Maybe he'd like a beanie. A beanie? I could get him a combination uh, nutmeg grinder, pants presser, and lightning rod. Oh, that'd that'd be good. Or how about a pair of open-toed earmuffs with a belt in the back? Yeah. I guess it's not so good. <laughs> Maybe you didn't say it loud enough. Should have said it so they didn't hear it. <laughs> well, let's go to the department store. Maybe we'll get an idea. Let's run. <laughs> How much money have you got? Well, How much money have you got? We can trade this egg in for something. <laughs> Cool 
looking to quote it. And you don't know how I've suffered to scrape it together. I just suffer and scrape and suffer. <laughs> well, go get your piggy bank and we'll bring home the bacon. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the store. Let's look around. Maybe our man over there can help us. Are you the floor walker? Uh, yes, I'm the aisle pedestrian. Yeah. <laughs> Four hours, nine to five, six to one, half a dozen to the other. And uh, what can I do for you? You got anything in the second? Yeah. I mean, um, we're, we're looking for something for Father's Day for this young man. Oh, isn't he rather small for a father? No. Now listen, Four Flusher, I mean Flora Walker. We want you to show us some courtesy. Right-o. Uh, what size do you wear? Well, something, well, let's see, about a 13 and a half collar with a high instep. Huh? Tell me, do you keep stationary? Oh, no, I move around. No. <laughs> well, oh, what would you suggest that would appeal to a man about, oh, about 35? Yes. A blonde, about 21, but of course... <laughs> Do you have anything snappy in garters? <laughs> oh, no, but we have something catchy in flypaper. <laughs> Shall we go Well, I don't know. I, uh, listen, we're not getting anywhere here. Where's the gift department? Oh, gift department. Yeah. Right over here. And this is one of our best salesmen, Mr. Swing. You don't say. <laughs> is it storming outside? <laughs> Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, I am a salesman, and I'm a first-rate salesman, too. Yeah. And, well, no, I'm not exactly a first-rate salesman, either, no. because I'm more of a cut-rate salesman. And, okay. Well, no, what I mean is I'm a very hot salesman. You're a hot salesman. You sell hot dogs, I No, suppose. I do not. I do not sell hot dogs. Oh, and hot dogs are sold in the pet shop. Yeah. And if you want a hot dog, why on earth did you ever come in here in the first place? Oh. Well, I'm beginning to wonder, Michael. That's a good question, I think. And please don't finger the lingerie. That's lingerie. You don't say. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Go ahead and have yes. a good time at my expense. Oh, yes. You're just going to tease me until you get me into a snip. Oh, what? Yes. And you're just trying to torment me because I'm a pretty old man. Oh. I'm not exactly a pretty old man either, no. but I'm not what you'd call homely. No. no. All right, you're not a homely old man. You just have an ugly disposition, that's all. Charlie. Let's, let's stop wasting time. Do you have any notions? Oh, yes, I have oceans of notions. Uh, in fact, I have scads. And, yes. Well, no, I don't exactly have scads either. No. But well, have you got one notion? Just one. Yes, I have one notion. That's not to wait on you, and so I won't. I'd like to say good day, and so I'm going to. Good day. Good day. Oh. <laughs> Poor man. We'll have a tough time to top that. <laughs> Well, listen, maybe I'd better buy this present yes. myself, Charlie. Uh -huh. You know, shopping is an art. It needs a woman's touch. How true, how true, Judy. Yes. Now, here's my dollar and a quota. Y'all can take it on from here on. You hear me? Infinity <laughs> all, you hear? <laughs> well, now, let's see. Yes. What's this over here? I don't know. Oh, look, Charlie. Isn't that the darlingest knitted snood? A snood for Bergen? Are you kidding? No. <laughs> Not for Mr. Bergen, for me. Yeah, but it's father's. And look, it's just a dollar and a quarter. It's my dough, too. I think I'll take it. Yes. <laughs> now I know what you mean by a woman's touch. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. This is Frank Proctor wishing you and yours the very best for the new year 2021.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.